Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Russ Matera doesn't lie when he says that stuff. This hour on The Score brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. He is Bruce Levine. I am Matt Spiegel. It's baseball talk 52 weeks of the year. And it's a good thing because things continue to develop on both sides of town, even though uh, the Cubs thing is mostly bleak and inactive. There was movement this week no. with some arbitration stuff, and the White, so- White Sox are the real source of intrigue. There's these no days. crying in baseball, Matt. No crying. <laughs> This is only January the 12th of 2019. Plenty of time still to add players along the way. As Matt said, this is Inside the Clubhouse every week, 52 weeks out of the year, as he said, talking baseball Saturday mornings from 9 to 11. Please join us at 312-644-6767. Text Matt at 67011. And by the way, Matt, Inside the Clubhouse brought to you by Max and Benny's in Northbrook, your home for the best food in Chicagoland. The checklist, best deli, yes, indeed. The best restaurant, no doubt. The best bakery on the North Shore, yes, sir. Dinners from 4 to 9 p.m. feature full meals of roast beef, chicken, the freshest whitefish and salmon in the city. Bakery goods to die for includes sugar cookies, mandel bread, and home-baked bagels, viales, rye breads at maxandbennies.com. Private party room and business meetings areas, 10 to 150. Catering is king. Ask for John at maxandbennies.com. 30 minutes from downtown, 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Love you some Max and Bennies in Northbrook. And is this now the time, Matt Spiegel, where the Chicago White Sox have whittled it down to the Chicago White Sox and the Philadelphia Phillies as the only potential landing places for Manny Machado. I think the MLB free agent market has done some of that uh, whittling for them here. Last week I tried to get you to tell me that Troy Tulowitzki signing with the Yankees meant that the Yankees were off of the Manny Machado uh, it's, it, it chase, and uh, you, you gave us a BS. You gave us a flat-out BS because of the report that Tulo had been signed and guaranteed the starting shortstop job. Now we look there and we see Miguel Andohar, who they had, Glaber Torres, who they had, Didi Gregorius, who will be coming back to play shortstop eventually. They hope. Tulowitzki, uh, who's been given a chance to win the job in spring training, and now they signed DJ LeMayhew as a second baseman or perhaps utility guy for two years. Yeah, I ask you, Bruce, utility guy. Does this mean two years, 24 mil total? This has to mean they're out on Machado. Uh, to me, it does. Again, uh, you know. Uh, Trying to think along with Brian Cashman, who has uh, as much money as anybody to spend at any time. You you want to say that. You want to say that certainly the 
White Sox and Phillies appear to be in the driver's seat, but the Phillies are meeting with uh, Bryce Harper and agent Scott Boris tomorrow in Las Vegas. So they're still in on the other front. The White Sox are firmly entrenched in the Manny Machado derby. So from that perspective, the consistency of what the White Sox have been uh, showing Machado, uh, the people they built around him, is that make them the favorite? At this point, to me, it does. In addition to the nest that they have built for him, this is a team that should be competitive starting in 2020 with their window opening. And oh, by the way, Manny Machado, if you want to come here for a year while we're non-competitive, we've got your brother-in-law who you love dearly, Yonder Alonzo, and now one of your best friends in John Jay, the Miami connection, that story on the Players' Tribune recirculating this past week. So they've made it as appetizing as they possibly can for Manny Machado. Do you think that they believe they're going to get Manny Machado? Well, you know, uh, Rick Hahn had a uh, press conference talking about the signing of Herrera and of uh, John Jay this week. Mm-hmm. And uh, I asked him about uh, the idea initially of all the reports around the Machado Harper stuff. And is that a distraction to the Chicago White Sox? In the age we live in, the, the age of Twitter and the age of social media, you rumors and, and uh, you know, sort of monitoring the horse race on free agency is, is part of it from a, from a club pr- perspective. Quite frankly, it's it's frustrating. Uh, there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's been numerous players that we were supposedly in on uh, that we had not had conversations on. Uh, there's been reports of offers or non-offers or being in or being out that, uh, you know, under the rules, we're not allowed to respond to. So you just have to let those things play out. I realize it's part of the business, um, but especially when you're talking about negotiations, uh, which are understandably and purposefully confidential and, and not something that we conduct through the media. Uh, the amount of uh, rumors out there can can get frustrating. We, we don't let it be a distraction. No, he doesn't let him be a, uh, be a distraction, uh, Matt, but uh, there's certainly some nerve ends that have been frayed there for Rick Hahn and the White Sox. You know, and he referred to other reports like Mike Moustakis, that if the, the White Sox don't get um, Manny, they're going to move. To, <laughs> that, you know, made, that, that made no sense. It makes no sense because uh, the, the idea is they're going to bring in Manny for the left side. If that doesn't happen, they're going to move Mankata to the third base. Mm-hmm. Okay. Moustakis doesn't have another position other than third base. DH and first base are all tied up for the Chicago White Sox. So so things like that are bothersome to him. Uh, he went on to talk a little bit about whether or not he's concerned the, the White Sox fans are going to be misled by all this. For me, it's it, it can get worrisome at the point where there's false information out there that may influence fan perception. But uh, at the same time, I know that at some point, these matters will be resolved and we'll be able to speak a, a little more candidly about uh, how we viewed things and how we approach things and, and what it means for us going forward. Uh, so it's, it's perhaps temporary, but, uh, you know, certainly how fans uh, perceive and respond to such things is, is, is relevant <laughs> and we're, we're aware of it. You know, that, the, semantically, that sounded like past tense, and I know that's kind of how the question was posed, but there he is talking past tense, like, and it felt for a moment like he was talking about if we miss out or when we miss out, but I know that you guys followed up 
about that very issue. Yeah, our good friend George Offman from WBBM, who's been around since uh, Methuselah began in sports, <laughs> um, asked, uh, asked Rick the next question just about that. Will it be a big disappointment to the organization if you do not land some of the players that you are trying to land? Let's wait till we get to the point where we know what's up exactly with that, and then we can talk about how we're how we're responding, how we feel. So at this point, it's just speculative. Yeah, a little so, grumpy. So there. no, no. I think what he said is we're in a more positive uh, vein than that. We think we're going to get the guy. We're not thinking about missing out on him. So I'm not going to uh, respond in a negative fashion mm-hmm. about something that hasn't occurred when we are very uh, optimistic that Manny is going to take. Our seven-year deal for somewhere between 200, 210 million, wherever it is. Again, you know, Rick admonished everybody for a generalized reporting or inaccurate reporting. I, I report what I know. So what I know is the Sox aren't moving over seven years up until this point. I know that for a fact, and that the money's going to be somewhere between 190 and 210 million, somewhere around there, and that. Uh, and, and that lies a deal. If Machado can get that three hundred million dollars from somebody else, God love him. You know, if he's going to make a hundred million more, he better take it. But I just, at this point in time, I don't see Philadelphia moving off a of Harper and then uh, throwing three hundred million Manny's way. Well, there you go. So if it's not Philadelphia, and there also was the report that Manny wasn't that interested right. in, in, in Philadelphia. And obviously $100 million can change all that if they really get up there. But where, who else is there? There was the report suddenly yesterday of a mystery team. Yeah, I think it's the Philadelphia Athletics. <laughs> or it could be. Or the Boston Braves. Seattle Pilots, maybe? It could be the Boston Braves. Sure. You know. The Senators? It, it could be, you know. I mean, seriously, like, it's every once in a while, a mystery team report will be true. I believe it was Albert Pujols during that whole deal where the Angels ended up being the mystery team. Or even last year where Giancarlo Stanton came out of, you know, ended up a Yankee uh, via, via trade. Uh, and, and you didn't think the Yankees were going to be you know in who, You know who the mystery teams usually are? Inventions from agents looking to expand the market. Nicely done, Matt Spiegel. Thank Nicely you. done. Well, it's exactly what it is. Now, that's not always the case. But it sure feels like it in this case. Sure. I mean, it's like the perception of, oh, there's another team out there. Maybe we're team one and we're team two uh, in the bidding. We better up our bids right now because there's a mystery team out there. So if there is no mystery team and you're dealing with the Phillies who, you know, the owner said we may have to get stupid with some money. But boy, they already did that they, with with McCutcheon. You could argue that they absolutely already did that with McCutcheon. But if they come up with neither Harper nor Machado, their fan base is going to be going to be disgruntled. Yeah, I, so I, I don't think know. more than the fan base. I think they're being pushed by the fact that uh, even though they they did a nice thing at shortstop, mm-hmm. uh, bringing in Segura and McCutcheon can be a comeback player, maybe a little bit in left field. They haven't added a guaranteed run producer. That's more important. This was a poor team offensively at the end of last year. They finished under 500 after leading the National League East for probably uh, a little more than a half or three quarters of the season. And uh, the fact that uh, they were a poor defensive team, a poor offensive team, mostly uh, got all the the work done in their wins, their 80 wins by pitching. Uh, They really needed to tick up the offense. So, 
more than the fan base, they know they need another run producer. This is their time, and uh, I've expected them to be in big time on both Harper and Machado. But reports seem to have them kind of shifting towards Harper. And all the smoke that's been around the White Sox, boy, it's been a lot. We had the thing uh, about a week and a half ago from the Dodgers pre and post guy. We played the tape last week. Um, and that widely thought to have been Yasmani Grandal as the source of that, that Manny's going to pick the White Sox. You have Yonder there and John Jay there and the Yankees seemingly dropping out. Boy, this makes all the sense in the world, Bruce. I, I, Sox fans are going to be disappointed now if it does not happen. I imagine, but it, it's also uplifting if you're a Sox fan, I think, to know uh, how serious that they're the only team out there reported for years and money of every team that's really out there. I mean, we've heard the Jim Bowden reports about Washington, $300 million plus, uh, 10-year-plus with Washington – I don't. I don't think that's quite as uh, direct as what we're talking about with the White Sox. We could hear from some White Sox fans at three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. I think you're you're you have to be uplifted by the fact that that your team's offering possibly a hundred and thirty million dollars uh, in a total package more than they ever have for any free agent in their history. Sixty eight million is the most they've ever paid, and that was Jose Abreu uh, five years ago. So. From that perspective, I can I hardly think they're cheap. I hardly hardly think they're not serious mm-hmm. when they're making an offer like that. By the way, Matt, this is our baseball show, but this is your home for the NFL here on the score, starting at three PM today. Colts and Chiefs. Colts and Chiefs and all weekend long all of the NFL games right mm-hmm. here on the score. And that means uh that means the Eagles against the Saints tomorrow. It's the Eagles. It's not the Bears. Uh, this text from West Loop Reg. It's not the Bears? From West Loop Reg. Uh, Philly should just give up on Machado so the White Sox can get him. They owe us after that Bears game last Sunday, man. He's wanting the Philadelphia franchises to get together and, and, and show some, some sympathy. How about Chicago. Double Doink being on national TV yesterday? It's a little soon for the redemption tour, Cody. I get it, and you're invited, and I understand. Is, and the, you're, nick, is the nickname harsh, too? You're a man of God. You want to go out there and show people that you have you know, a, a, a soul that will not be downtrodden. Give it a week. Give it another week, would you? Is that a harsh name, Double Doink? Um, I think he's going to have to live with that wherever his next NFL destination will be. This is Mike downtown on 670 The Score. What's up, Mike? How are you? Good morning, guys. You know, I, as a season ticket holder, I applaud the Sox making the effort. I'm not sure that's the smartest thing. But the thing I object to, and Bruce, this will take you back, but I, I, this concept of bringing in guys because they will make the clubhouse nicer. They are friends. They are brothers-in-law. Uh, they are pals. Uh, we did this once with the greatest player in White Sox history, Dick Allen, and we brought in his, his brother, Hank, and all Hank did was sit around and take up a roster spot, and he was terrible. And, of course, Dick left at the end of the year or the next year. You clog up roster spots that we can fill with talented players. John Jay was really good with the Cubs two years ago, but he, you know, he's 34 years old. The guy from Cleveland, we don't, we didn't need him. And if you don't get Manny, we're either you, we're stuck with these guys. Uh, they take roster spots away from people who could have helped the Sox, and and I'm not sure it helps Rick Renneria, helps the Sox credibility. It almost looks amateurish, and that's what disappoints me about this process, and I like your thoughts. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Uh, I look at it a different way. Herrera coming in, Jay coming in, what do they have in common? Uh, they're, they're from recent rebuilds, recent championship teams, okay? 
uh, the Cardinals and Jay, world champion. Herrera, part of the rebuild in Kansas City where they went to the World Series two years in a row, won one World Series. Mm -hmm. Jay, known as one of the top clubhouse guys in baseball, according to Theo Epstein, who was on with us last week, said that he rivals, um, uh, you know, David... um, DeJesus? Uh, no, it's funny. I thought about DeJesus yeah, because yeah. of the similar time frame here. Like if Eloy Jimenez comes up and he's hanging out with John Jay as part of his maturation, that's a great thing no matter what Manny Machado does. Right. But David Ross as far as David a Ross. clubhouse guy. Got you. And that is some high-level, high heady area to go. So I look at bringing in championship caliber players who have been there to help lead the way as the essential part of bringing in a guy like Jay a guy like Herrera, uh, people like that. Look, there's been a lot of teams that are inactive uh, and or frozen by the market and their situations, and you don't have to look more than to the 3600 North block of uh, of Clark to, to find it. But the White Sox have been very active. Alex Colomay and Kelvin Herrera are absolutely legit back end of the bullpen pieces that can help you eventually because you've got them both for more than one year – or can be tremendous flip uh, options here as as, uh, as, uh, as as the trade deadline comes. That's what a rebuild's all about. Absolutely. Get, getting better, incrementally getting better each year, and then still being stealth and still being open enough to being able to flip guys and continue to bring in younger, better players for your rebuild. Alonzo that, is the one, it's all about. Alonzo is the one that that you could argue doesn't make a ton of sense outside the Machado connection, but hell, it's if that's part more of the nest that gets it power, done. More balance. Yeah, but, you know, a, a Can't guy... Can't have enough left-handed uh, pop. Well, okay? and, 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 and maybe he's an eventual flippable candidate if he maybe, refines maybe the form a, from two years Abreu ago. Maybe is in the last year of his contract. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. I'm surprised that he's calling it amateurish. The way that it, he said it feels amateurish to have the White no, Sox I understand. have their offer be out there and have I, all this I, coming I, on. I understand. They are getting laughed at by some people who've put together but, these but mock I, lineups of every Manny Machado but, but I mean, acquaintance. Philadelphia hiring... Manny's first manager in the minor leagues, Bobby Dickerson, this week mm-hmm. as part of their coaching staff. It's, it's the same philosophy, you know. We're we're giving you a comfort level here. Certainly, if you're if you're going to hire a guy for seven years, Matt, that's putting him past every player on the Chicago White Sox roster. That means that Machado will be around after everyone on that roster right now becomes a free agent, okay? So you better have a comfortability level for a guy like that. You are telling everybody he's going to be the face of your organization. So to to have areas built up around him where he's comfortable initially, these guys are only there for a year or two. So it's not like you're committing to them for that seven-year run. You're committing to a soft landing for a guy that you want to be able to take off and be the player that he's going to be in a new environment. Bruce, people were saying the White Sox are going to have to overpay if they're going to get one of these guys. Instead, what they have done is create this atmosphere with his brother-in-law and one of his very good friends and a franchise with loads of room financially with great outfield pieces coming that you can say to him, look, maybe we're not great in a year, 
or this coming year, but you'll be comfortable. You'll have some fun. And then we're going to start to be very good. And you will be the face of this franchise as we start to be very good. You are the face. And I think that is an excellent way to try and sell somebody on what seemed like an unlikely destination at the beginning of the offseason. 312-644-6767 is our number. Text me at 6711. We have to take a break. Come back. Get your calls. Tyler Kepner, New York Times, fill us in on what's going on nationally with some of these signings. Kyle Hendricks will join us later in the show as well as Baseball Hall of Fame President Jeff Idelson. It is 670 The Score. Come back to Inside the Clubhouse after this. Welcome back in on Inside the Clubhouse here on 670 The Score. You know, when you, when you laugh and come back, you know, the, the, the listeners always think they're missing out on well, some, some really... Off-color radio that's being talked about. Well, and they were, um, because Hal Steinbrenner, I don't know if that's the Hal behind that last that last spot or not, but Hal Steinbrenner might need to find some way to lubricate the payroll. Ah, ah, look what you did. Make room for Boom, boom. Machado. All right. Uh, we're talking a little bit more about the Machado situation, the White Sox. Where is Harper going to end up? More importantly, your thoughts about your Cubs and White Sox arbitration numbers have been filled in. Both teams will not go to arbitration this year. All their players were signed yesterday. Always good. Do uh, you have any questions about uh, some of those signings? There seems to be some about the Addison-Russell signing out there. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about and, that. And I can explain. Good. Uh, because I think there's a little misinformation that's, that's in there. Uh, just because some math is simple doesn't mean it's – the right way to look at something. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about we that a little discuss. bit at the top of the next hour. Um, Wayne and Ron, hang on there. We will get to you guys to talk about the White Sox and talk about Manny Machado, and uh, we could do so now with Ron on the South Side. What's up, Ron? How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. You know what the, 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 the caller just said, the White Sox are a little amateurs. We talked about uh, the White Sox bringing in um, Hank because he was dick out. One of the things he forgot to uh, Talk about the Dick Allen saved the franchise that that, that he was known to save. So, you know, sometimes, you know, hey, you make some small moves. But I, I say that to say I commend the White Sox. And I really think for those, I know you all said, you know, other teams maybe be laugh, laughing. They won't be laughing if they, if they sign them. This changes your organization, your team, not only on the field, but off the field. So, I, again, I commend them. They're doing, you know, they, they put it off on the table. Yeah, they maybe some small moves, but they're appealing. But I really commend the White Sox for the moves that they um, made this offseason. But, again, maybe hopefully next Saturday uh, we'll get a chance to be talking about Manny being here. And, again, I don't think people will be calling amateurish moves or either laughing at the White Sox. Thanks, guys. All right, Thanks, Ron. Ron. Appreciate the Voice call. of reason for your Chicago White Sox as we move on to bring in – one of the great baseball columnists in the country, a really good guy with the best memory of anybody I know in the game, Matt. Uh, Tyler Kepner, the New Whoa. York Times, joins us. That's high praise. It is. I mean, uh, I've tested him many times, and he's passed with flying colors. Mm-hmm. I don't know about the latest one I texted you, Tyler, but I, I don't know if you can come up with the uh, the room number and the hotel for Eddie Waitkiss uh, when he was shot <laughs> uh, in 1949. Oh, sorry. They, they, eventually. So, so you know, I'm, I'm a Philly guy, so I guess I should know that. We missed the first part of it. You were cut off. Did you have the answer no, I, for us? 
I, I, I don't have the answer, no. But as a Philly guy, I probably should yeah. know because Eddie Wakeis was a Philly. So but, I, I started to let you down there. Here, but, here, here, uh, here. but I'm glad you, yeah, I'm glad you let a Philly guy on. It was a, it was a tough week in Chicago. Uh, oh, thanks for, know, thanks for bringing that up. Um, actually, a lot of Chicago fans <laughs> hoping that the Phillies do the, the, the righteous thing and pull out of the Manny Machado sweepstakes <laughs> as yeah. payback for what happened yeah, last right. weekend. Tyler, yeah, uh, the Phillies and White Sox, uh, they don't get into it much. They were both, uh, they, they had a chance at 83 and 93 to play each other in the World Series. It didn't work out either time. But uh, now, they're, now they're fighting it out for uh, Manny Machado. Who, who would have thought? Tyler, you're, you're on the East Coast. You cover the Yankees and the, uh, and the Mets a lot, but also all 30 clubs. What, what's your perception of what Brian Cashman's doing here now with uh, LeMayhew? And do you, you think that, that pretty much puts them out of contention for Machado? Or is, is Cashman that stealth that nobody can say that for sure? Well, they are pretty stealth over there, um, but I, I really sense that they just don't have the desperation um, that that a Machado wants in 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 this uh, in this negotiation because he, he wants a team that's so desperate for him that they'll give him a, a, a groundbreaking kind of contract. And the Yankees like Machado, um, but not enough to you know really uh, extend themselves um, beyond where they want to go. And, and the word I got yesterday was that he's still up in Stanton levels um, in, in what he's asking for. And, uh, and and so nothing's really changed from the Yankees' perspective because they're not going to go there. Um, I think if his, his price went way down, um, they'd certainly find a way to fit him on the team. He's better than the other guys. Um, but I don't know that Machado's going to take much of a discount um, to go there as long as he has two motivated uh, pursuers in the Phillies yeah. and the White Sox. The question is how motivated. And because agents put out 10 years and $300 million plus, do they automatically get it in this environment in Major League Baseball? Right. Well, that's 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 the big question because this environment has changed a lot, um, and you don't you know you don't usually have someone making irrational decisions. Um, but this case is interesting because you have the, the Phillies and White Sox both have six straight years of losing. Um, they won fairly recently, and and they'd really like to start winning again. Um, especially the Phillies owner has been out there talking about um, wanting to be aggressive and wanting to spend money um stupidly as he as he told bob michael so um you know you have these teams that 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 might i think it's it's worth it for the uh, for the agent to uh to try to extract as much as he can because i think he will at some point i, I don't you know i don't know that he'll get the exact number he wants but i i think he'll get a, a whole lot of money these guys he's 26 years old i mean you're going to get five really really good years and there's probably gonna be an opt-out in there uh, where he'll probably opt out. So I, I don't know. I, I, I'd go for it. It's not my money, but I'd, 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 I'd give him close to what he wants. This is not super new in baseball or in sports, uh, whether it's a college basketball team signing somebody's dad and then hoping they get the recruit. That, that is his <laughs> son, right? Or even the Cubs signing David Ross as part of their John Lester enticement a few years back. But right, what, right. But what do you think of what the White Sox have, have done with Yonder Alonso and John Jay? It, it seems to be going that extra mile to try and make themselves more appetizing with Machado. I, I think, I think it's, a, it's admirable. Just keep, I mean, you got to do something to make yourself stand out here in this market. I do, I do too. I totally agree. I, I wrote about that actually um, in today's paper. I was on a conference call the other day, and, and, and it was just, uh, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, right? I, it, it's In the grand scheme of how much money you're going to give to Manny Machado, um, the amount that you're paying John Jay four million, and and I don't, I think Alonzo makes about eight or something like that. It, it's really not. It's a rounding error on a Machado contract, and 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 you bring in two guys who 
whether or not Machado comes, they're good major league players who, who, who can help your team do a little better um, and introduce some professionalism to a young group. Um, so all that is justified. I mean, they're, they're, they're solid big leaguers. Um, but the fact that they are so close with Manny Machado and, and you know, brother-in-law, best buddy, whatever, um, it, it makes a ton of sense um, because if you're the White Sox, you need, you know, extra enticements. And, and we see it with the Phillies, too. I mean, they have some front office officials he knows. They're hiring Bobby Dickerson. Uh, Machado's uh, one of his favorite coaches in Baltimore. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're talking a negotiation this size and you don't have a built-in advantage besides money. Um you know, you want to you want to do everything you can. So I commend the White Sox for that, even though they're not going to come right out and say it. Um, it's clearly pretty transparent what they're doing. Baseball book Bigfoot of the New York Times, Tyler Kepner, joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. He's Matt. I'm Bruce. We're here for you every Saturday, 52 weeks out of the year, talking baseball from 9 to 11 a.m. Tyler, uh, when you look at uh, how free agency is going the last two years, how um, moderate owners are as far as offering long-term deals to anybody. Do you see uh, as a culmination of this a lockout strike uh, after 2021 where it's become uh, obvious that there's some real contentious things about uh, the soft, hard cap of Major League Baseball? Uh, I worry about it. I don't know if I'd if I'd go so far as to predict it now as, as it being more more likely than not. But I, I do I do worry about it um, because yeah I mean because we we've seen a, a clear shift. I don't think it's collusion, but I, I do think it's similarity of, of front office thought. Um, you know I don't think they're the same thing, right. um, but I just think you know with the way data you touched on it earlier with the way data is prevalent in every front office um, that. They've just figured out that that free agency is is usually throwing good money uh, oh, after uh, you know after after what a guy's done in the past, not for what he's going to do for the future. So the problem is, how do you get the money to the players who deserve it the most? And the players who should get it are the ones still under team control. We saw yesterday Mookie Betts getting twenty million dollars and Jacob Degrom seventeen and Nolan Arenado asking for thirty and being offered twenty four in arbitration. I mean, those are the guys who have the most who should be getting the most money but they're not quite because they're not out there on the open market. So oh. do you do you put free agency earlier then that hurts the small market team's ability to keep those guys. So it's a very very difficult question and um players got players need to get more money. I mean, they need to get what I need what I mean is they need to get an equitable share of the pie and they're getting less of that and I, that doesn't seem right. You know, Tyler, I love and Matt, I love the one-year deal for Grandal with the Brewers, okay? Because you're paying him top money. You're paying him $18 million for one year, okay? That is, I think, exactly what every ownership would like at this point in time. Paying top dollar, paying equal money for production. He's a guy that you know can hit from both sides, hit 24 home runs, a catch for you and paying them for one year and making them earn it again. But if you're the players, you've always thought that big money free agent contracts are kind of the unspoken flip side of the control that you gave up. And now if like you're saying, Tyler, the, the, the group think the logic has come to a place where they know that doesn't make sense. I think we're steamrolling towards a work stoppage, aren't we? That's again. Yeah. That's what I worry about. Um, because it, it always seemed like a, a birthright of players that, Hey, you're going to, you're going to have the hammer over us um, for 
the first six or seven years of our career, plus our minor league career. And then finally, at free agency, we get the hammer and we get to cash in um, for all those years of, of grinding through the system. And now it's like they're getting there and it's like, oh, well, you're too old or your best days are behind you or we're not going to get the premium value, whatever. Um, so, yeah, no, it's 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 tough because the, the, the player mentality, you guys know, the player mentality is to reward the the grind and the journey and, and, and the service time. Um but the owners don't care about that. They don't care about service time. They just want the best players out there. So the fact that you've played six or seven years or eight years in the big leagues, um, the players, that should be rewarded. And I understand it. It's really hard to get eight years in the big leagues, six, six seven years in the big leagues. But the owners just want production. And the production um, happening from younger guys, uh, part of that is the steroid and, and you know, the, the, the greenies being out of the game mostly. Uh, you know, you can't be as good late as you used to be able to be. Um, all this stuff is, is going to come to a head. I'm just glad from our standpoint that, that we still have a, a few more years before the CBA expires at the end of 2021. So we really don't have to worry about it too much, but I hope behind the scenes they're, they're hashing this stuff out. Tyler, do you, uh, how do you look? You've been in this business a long time. How do you look at media pandering for agents this time of year? And we're, I, guess, I guess we're all guilty of that to a certain level. Uh, for being able to break stories from time to time, get perception, uh, have um, people we can go to for information, uh, it's it's part of the it's part of the gig. But at what what level do you get turned off by it? Well, some of it's pretty pretty see through. Um, you know, certain agendas that 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 you understand are are being floated out there. I think it's it's really it's incumbent in any media um in all media now to you know for for the for the reader for the viewer to really understand um you know can i trust this person can i trust this source what is their what is their um track record you know when when it's someone like you bruce you know who's been doing it for a long time and 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 people see out at the ballpark asking the questions and 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 you know being out there and you have a great track record you know i'm going to believe it more than i'm going to believe someone just on a some random website or someone who you know i see is always always telling the the line of this one agent or this one team time after time um so it takes a little more work i think on the consumer um but good you know good journalism is is, is, is obviously still out there um for sure and great journalism you just need to know um you know who, who, which sources to trust, and, and and a lot of that is based on their track record. So yeah, it's 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 tricky. It's it's, it's hard not to get sucked into the vortex when you have someone helping you out. Yeah. You know, um, you know, to, to to do his bidding, but y- you can't do that either and be responsible. Tyler Kepner, the New York Times, here with us for another minute or two. Uh, I know you wrote about the opener and used the Tampa Rays and one guy in particular who made twenty nine starts for forty innings. Um, as as the template for this big change in baseball, what's your thought on the sustainability of it? My partner does not believe that it that it lasts. We've we've talked about it a bit. The Milwaukee Brewers with what they did with Josh Hader and Brandon Woodruff. Um, what what is the sustainability of that kind of change that we've seen around baseball to have relievers open games? Well, I, I think it is something that that we're we're going to see. Um, I don't love it, but just. I understand it, and I think I think we're going to see it as as more of a viable option, right? Like if you get in a bind, like even if you don't like it, right? If you're a team and you don't like, you don't believe in it, I think you'll you'll see that it's a viable option just because it's been done. And so rather than you know bring up some uh, replacement level starter from the minor leagues who's not ready, or you know the old thing like, well, we need a starter for Thursday. Who's 
who's on track in the minors, you know, like not even like who's the best, but just whose day is it <laughs> to come up and pitch. Um, I don't think we're going to see that as much anymore um, because I feel like, the, you know, the Rays have shown there's another way to do it and that you can, you can survive doing it. Now the Rays made it a regular thing mm-hmm. um, and it might make sense in, in, in some cases. I mean, when you, when you dive into the logic behind it, you know, bring in a guy in the second inning and have him go five or six without having to face the, you know, the beasts up at the top of the order. I mean, I get it. He's still going to, he's still going to have the same amount of innings. It's just not the same number of game stars. We saw that in Ryan Yarborough last year, particularly with the Rays. So I, you know, it's an innovation. It's a new way of doing it. Um, I don't love it, but I do like the creativity that a team like Tampa, um, which has a, you know, its own set of circumstances is taken. So I, you know, it, it's part of this originality and creativity of thought that these teams have. And, and I guess there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I think they've shown that it can be done. So teams, even the teams that don't love it, will be able to do it in a pinch here and there. All right, Tyler, we can't let you go without asking you one question. Tyler Kepner has a photographic memory. So how many <laughs> years How many years do you go back that we can ask you about starters in World Series? I can um, do the last 40. I can tell you. Just any, the any, last 40? started every, every World Series game since 79, I can tell All you. All right, so to so the 1980 World Series game sure. two oh, that's between too easy. He's a Philly guy. Between yeah, I guess so. But uh, the 19 oh, 19 Steve Carlton and Rich Gale. <laughs> there you go. I mean, it's it's incredible. I've I've heard Tyler do this in. Well, Rich do, Gale. Actually, I'm sorry. Rich Gale started the started the, the final game of that. Of that of was there that, an that, opener that was, in that, uh, that game? That was Larry Gura. That was Larry Gura starting. There, game. there was that, not a, an opener in that game. He, he pitched not more than an one opener. In. No, Steve Carlton yeah. threw 300 innings that year. All right. What's your favorite was, trivia yeah. question before we let you go? My favorite trivia question. Wow. This is, I threw uh, you mine on on text the other day, and you got it like in two seconds. I, I got one yeah, I want well, to throw you, at him too. No, go for it. Yeah, I, 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 I'll give you this one. Who finished between Ted Williams and Joe DiMaggio in the batting average race in 1941? Ted Williams was first at 406. Ooh. Joe hit in 56 straight. He was third in batting average. Who finished second? Wow. Now that's yeah. That's that's the. That's Can you give us a team? Gonna, give us I, a team. Washington Senators. It's Cecil Travis. Just something okay. my dad loved. Okay. That's all. Oh, He's, that's that's nice. Yeah. All right. That's that's a pretty, that's a pretty good one. Um, <laughs> No, I, I, I mean, you, you, you tossed out the, the answer. I, I always love the, the, because it makes you think who's the only guy to get 500 hits on four different teams. But right. I think you know that. Ooh, yeah. that's yeah. good. He's also a, was a great chef. He's left, uh, left us for another plane. But because that's a, that's a great question. Because you've got to think, all right, the guy had at least 2,000 hits, and he, so he's a prominent guy. Right. But he, he, he spread them pretty evenly between four different franchises. So yeah. you think like you think like I, I think like a Gary Sheffield. Well was he he played for a lot of teams had a lot of hits. Did he play on a team enough to have five hundred on four of them? He didn't. You know, Robbie Almar, same sort of thing. Yeah. Did he really spend four so it, it gets you thinking. And that's what's a good trivia question because agreed. Some of you either know or you don't, but that kind of question is is is, is my favorite type of question that makes you think. It's gettable if you really think about it. Um, and but it um, might take a Matt while. shakes his head, not knowing Le Grand Orange. Ah, Rusty Stubb. Yes, R- right. Ah, right. There you go. People forget that he played so long with Detroit. So yeah, was yeah. He, he, he was a great hitter. I think he was, had somewhere close to twenty eight hundred hits. How about the four managers to win five hundred games with four different teams along the same lines? There's four managers four, that have done it. One the four f- managers who've won five hundred games with four different with, franchises. 
with four different franchises. Huh? Yeah. I don't think you, you would need a few minutes to have me like go through. It's not good radio to hear me like yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> try to do try to do all this. Go ahead, man. Like, Give it. Uh, Buck Showalter is the most recent. Uh-huh. Gene Mock. Uh, Dick, Will- Dick Williams and Joe Torrey. That's exactly nice. right. Those four. Tyler, thanks so much for taking some time out. Keep up the great work in the New York Times, and we'll see you around the baseball field somewhere coming up soon. All right. Great talking to you guys. All right, thanks, thanks. Tyler. Tyler Kepner, who is outstanding in more ways than one, does a lot of work for MLB Network as well, um, does uh, his own little trivia in his uh, column from time to time. Great guy. Yeah, he does trivia at the end of every season. I could do that for hours and hours on end. And Mitch would uh, th- throw you <laughs> off the air. <laughs> Again. The bottom of the hour is brought to you by Northwestern Basketball. Don't miss Northwestern Basketball at the new Welsh Ryan Arena this season. Single-game tickets are available for Penn State, Rutgers, Minnesota, and Ohio State. Buy now at nusports.com. Maybe just you and me over coffee will do that for a couple so- hours. Sounds great. Uh, we're going to talk some arbitration numbers, uh, the Addison Russell uh, numbers. Uh, White Sox fans, uh, are you enthused by the way that uh, they are building, regardless of Manny Machado? Are you enthused by the way the White Sox have built around this offseason a young and uh, team that's on the come. 670, the score is where you are. Come back to Inside the Clubhouse. Welcome back in on Inside the Clubhouse here on 670, the score. He is Bruce Levine. I'm Matt Spiegel. Let's slide in Wayne in Peru, who's been wanting to hop in right here on Inside the Clubhouse. Hey, Wayne. Hey, you guys both do a good job. And uh, I'm not real good at talking, but um, I have a problem with Kenny Williams. Um, Mankata got benched three times last year for not hustling. Did they not see that in the it, when they were scouting him in the minors? And then the James Shield trade—they don't need Mankata if he doesn't trade the top prospect or shortstop in all of baseball. Mm-hmm. That was the moment when the rebuild began, right? Fernando Tatis right. Jr. for right. James Shields was the last and, move of the uh, mired in mediocrity. We have to point out that he was 17 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still regrettable. highly touted, yeah. no C- doubt. Certainly regrettable, but that's kind of the, the right. one right. when Shields flopped as dramatically as he did. I think that was the final nail. Anything for- else, Wayne, you got for us? Go ahead, Wayne. Yeah, I, I, I'm not happy with the sale trade. They, right now, it doesn't seem like they got anybody on the major league roster that's real good. Um, I know Colt got hurt, but if you're going to trade the best left-hander in baseball – uh-huh. Couldn't you demand somebody that's on the major league roster, roster who's a promising player? Not if you're no, in a rebuild. I'm not happy with, not, I'm not, not happy, yeah. happy with uh, Kenny Williams at all. I, he, uh, but I love your program. So no, have appreciate a good day. it. Thanks, Thanks Wayne. Thanks, and that's what this show's all about. Get it off your chest. Bring it to us. We'll try to help you make sense of it. And you know they did try to get Ben Attende. Uh, you know in that deal that mm-hmm. there was a big no there. Um, the White Sox, uh, before they uh, they moved uh, sale to the Red Sox, talked to uh, talked to the Houston Astros, you know, at length about Bregman. Wasn't Bregman, it? yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, so uh, and it took you know they they took their time. They didn't do it in five minutes. Same thing with Quintana. Quintana was out there a long time before they made that trade. I think they wanted either Devers as well. Boston had a pile of them: Rafael Devers and then Andrew Benatendi, as right. you say. And Moncada still had Shaw at that time, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Moncada was supposed to be that guy on the big league roster, yes, producing for you right away. 
and so far he has not. Well, he's 23. It's going to be 23 or 22. So I'm going to give him another year, aren't you? Uh, I am going to give him another year because the eye is so good. Yeah, it's just a I, matter of being aggressive early to I think he's avoid the calls. I think he's going to hit. The question is, can he cut down the 210 strikeouts? Well, if he if he starts swinging earlier in the count more, I think well, maybe Well, you should he will. go and work with him. Well, I'm thinking about it. You should. Well, call, I know you don't want to give up this job. Well, <laughs> but but maybe you can fit him in on your off days. He is Bruce Levine. 670 the score is where you are. We'll come back and talk some Cubs. Also Kyle Hendricks coming up next hour and Jeff Idelson, the president of the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Keep it here on 670 the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.